really is just like, it's a community space. We're carefully curated, so we specialize on Black-owned products, um, wine and spirits. Um, we also um, focus on um, Black-owned, like, small artisans and local artisans as well. Mm. So we have a lot of, like, local glassware and craftsmanship that we carry in the store, whether that be paintings, um, people make glasses, people do um, cutting boards, people make little champagne toppers. So it's just, like, we really wanted to build a space that the community felt comfortable coming into, shopping in, interactive with the bottles in the place that they felt comfortable asking questions about wine. Wine, I feel like, is this very, like, kind of uppity um, yeah. field where people feel like they can't really like fit in unless they mm. don't know. Like a lot of people come in and they're like, I don't know a lot about wine, but I want, and we're like, no, this is a right. comfortable space where you can talk about what you like and what you don't like and we'll help you find something. So we really own in on like the community aspect of um, Happy Cork. We're located in Bed-Stuy, mm. um, right on the corner off of the Atlantic and Buffalo Avenue. So we're, um, in a neighborhood that is becoming gentrified, um, but it's still kind of in the beginning works of all of that, for sure. Got you. So the overall motivation you would say for creating a store was just to create an environment where people could come, feel comfortable, uh, get introduced to wine, even if they're like entry-level wine people. and exactly. uh, basically. Yeah, so um, like, like I said, in the neighborhood, it's definitely becoming more gentrified. Uh, I've lived in Bed-Stuy now for the past four years. Mm. And just seeing the change in the neighborhood, it has been crazy. And so with the change, we really wanted to create a space that the community still felt like it was theirs, a space where they still felt like they were welcome, a space where they felt like they can come in and shop and bring their family members. And, you know, it's, it's still like their home. It, and we're not taking away from them. And so that was really the big motivation behind it. Um, we also wanted to, you know, welcome a bright and like welcoming space that's black owned that people don't really expect to have in this neighborhood. Mm. And so that was the real motivation because a lot of people now they come in and they're like, oh, you know, I've passed by like four times and I, I never knew you guys were black owned until you put the sign up or mm. I didn't know until I stepped foot in. And then they, that like takes off like a shell, like a shell they yeah. automatically feel a little bit more comfortable. And then they want to talk, they want to chat, they want to, you know, explore their palate. And that's the real beauty. I feel like behind I'm um, happy Cork is that we're so connected to the community to the point where like we have a bench that sits out front and yeah. I'll be bringing that up at like 9.30 at night and there'll always be somebody walking out like, who do you think you are bringing that bench <laughs> by yourself? Why you better ask somebody to help you? And right. like, they just look out for us so much. And so it's the community time we've built has just like, it, it fits with the motivation behind creating the store, which was to create something that the community had that was still theirs. And I feel like we've really kind of like owned in on that and keyed in on it. Yeah. I remember I was, um, I was looking at like an article or maybe it was like a publication. It was saying that, well, actually it was a video. I'm lying. It was a video. <laughs> and I believe the owner, uh, Sunshine, she was talking about how, how happy quirk you guys try to like partner with like organizations in the community too, to like do uh, events within those spaces. Can you talk a little bit about what those events are? Oh yeah, of course. So, um, specifically with the winemakers, we try to bring community events that way. So, um, for example, the world's first naturally made blue wine, Amor Genève. 
Mm. Um, the winemaker of that brand comes to Happy Cork regularly. Mm. And you can catch him in there signing bottles, talking to our staff, talking to our customers. We try to hold events on weekly wine tastings where sometimes mm. the, the winemakers themselves will be hosting. And they will actually um, come in and talk about the wines and give the people really uh, in person and kind of one-on-one -on -one experience. Along with that, we partner with a lot of like businesses, locals, so like um, Laku Cafe, we threw an event with them. Um, we, um, with um, Estrovere Wines as well, we've had um, community events where they've come and they've hosted tastings. Our, um, our anniversary party, which we held right before COVID happened, so back in March, um, and we had a bunch of winemakers in, so the community was able to come in and do a whole entire wine tasting throughout our store, really get to see our space, meet the winemakers, try a bunch of different wines. It was completely free. So we just try to really bring cut, like those kind of communal events to our space. Right now, um, we do a weekly tote bag where we kind of, we curate three bottles of wine. They're all black owned. And um, right now we're kind of creating a community fund and we want to donate the proceeds to that, to one of our community members who might've been affected by COVID or anything going on right now. So we try to like, you know, really tie in our community again to what we're doing, keep them educated, keep them knowledgeable on the wine and really showcase what we're about, which is our black owned wine and spirits. And what is the process like of like getting those connections? Is it like a situation where you're like you're the team that you're a part of, you guys strategize like, oh, we want to connect with this, connect with this? Or is it like kind of both? Like some people reach out, you plan like we want to get in this space or? Yeah. So we're a small team. There's mm. about the owners and then staff wise, we're about five of us maybe. Oh, wow. So we are all like so like, like family yeah yeah we're all family so we're always like dming each other pages like if we like right now we're on the hunt for a black owned tequila mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so like we're all researching looking places dming each other places um always looking and then the because we are so the the biggest issue with getting black owned wines representation in liquor stores in general is that distribution is kind of the hardest part. Mm. And um, so getting them into the distributors so then we can carry them in the store. And so a big part of our sourcing process is actually reaching out to these companies, maybe connecting them with other wine brands that do have distribution in New York mm. and seeing how we can get them in New York so we can get them in the store. So that's one of like, something we really like hold near and dear to us because we really try to go the extra mile to making sure we're getting a lot of representation for these brands in New York and everywhere else. Mm. So definitely that aspect. And so that's an interesting aspect. I feel like most people overlook that. Like if you're creating a, like a wine, you would not think like, Oh, let me think of a distribution channel that's going to service New York. So I could get into New York stores. Exactly. Because I think most people today in terms of like sales, they'll probably try to go like a, a different route maybe. So mm -hmm. trying to go like actually in store to a physical location is probably difficult. So in terms of a channel and creating that relationship, you said you would reach out to someone who you already know has a distribution channel inside of New York. And yes. that, so would that company ship from like their physical location to the distribution center or? Um, yes. Yeah. So that's pretty much how the process works. It's really liquor laws are like, yeah, I can imagine. It's, crazy. it's so crazy. And every state is different. So you have to abide by each state's rules. So that's why it's hard to get certain wines represented in certain states because they have to go through different loopholes. 
And so we, sometimes we will connect the winemakers, like I said, with the distributors that we know are already in New York and see if they can make a partnership to try to get them, the distributors to buy from them. So mm -hmm. then we can then buy from the from distributor. distributor. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. so the winemakers will sell it to the distribution and then distribution will sell it to us because we can only oh, buy from a distribution. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a situation where the distribution channels is just like, they're just holding the product to give to you. It's like, there's actually like two purchases. Like they'll sell. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, okay, it's okay, a okay. whole process. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And is that typical? Oh, sorry, my fault. No, you're fine. So I was just saying that's like the typical process we go through. So if there's something like people aren't used to, like right now, um, I'd say that one of the newest is um, Brown Estate or the LS cream that we carry in the store right now. Those two didn't have a strong distribution in New York, so then we had to kind of like figure out a way to get them in. And now they're here and they're seeing where else they can go in New York because now that they have a home base and a distribution in New York, they can now branch out in this state versus only being in, you know, Miami or California or wherever they might, might have gotten like certified to, you know, distribute or wherever their distribution site may have been. So they would have to get a certification? They would have to speak to the, the, the government? Like in that state, um, for the winemakers or for us? Well, for I guess for the winemakers, like say if, if they want to, like say me personally, if I created like a a wine, right, and I want to sell, obviously I'm from New York, but say I want to sell in New York and I wasn't from New York, would I have to like register, like get some type of certificate to say like, oh, I can sell yeah. my product? In okay. Yes, there's a whole process with that, and then you have to find someone that's certified to distribute wine and liquor in New York. Which would be you guys? Who can they'll, it, no, not even us. Oh, not even, oh, oh distributor. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And they have your wine. And then we're allowed to buy your wine from the distribution. Center. Wow, that's, so, that's a yeah. process. It's a whole <laughs> process, yeah. Even shipping, we just launched shipping, and that itself is like state by state. We only launched like three states so far because we have to go through a whole process for every single one. Every single state. Yes. So I feel like the wine business and liquor is so like attractive to like think about getting into, but now I'm hearing like there's so much like hoops you have to go through just to, just to sell and get your product out there. Yeah. Well, people think it's just as simple as like drinking wine or, you know, selling wine at a restaurant, but like there's so many different lanes and mm. um, professions to be in within the wine industry. If you're a farmer, you can be on, you know, the vineyards, you know, cultivating the grapes. If you're into business or um, kind of the distribution side, like I said, you can be a distributor where you're talking to the vineyards and, you're, and the winemakers and you're getting their stuff in so then people can buy from you, you know. Or if you're on the retail side and you have a store and you're selling wine, like there's so many different, or if you're, you like restaurants and you like service industry, then you can be in a restaurant and being a wine director and creating wine lists for people. So there's mm. so many different lanes that you can kind of take within the wine world and people think it's so surface level and that it's so uppity and that it's this thing mm. that they can't really be a part of, mm. but that's what barrier we're trying to break and like bring to the forefront and really show people that wine is everybody's drink and everybody mm, makes true. it. And it's good. And whether it's black owned or white anywhere owned, you know, so that's yeah. really what we're trying to push and show people. So in terms of like the actual store itself mm -hmm. i feel like with having a physical store location people want to have a physical store location but they don't understand how to get traffic into the store can you just talk a little bit about certain ways that you and your team strategize about how to bring customers to the actual location oh yeah so um pretty much 
traffic through the store is kind of, I think the biggest component that I've seen so far has kind of been the push on social media, Mm. honestly. Like, the community knew we were here, but it's through people talking to each other. It's through having truly a a really authentic experience Mm. and people wanting to share that experience with other people that we've really gotten the word out. And I think those two components combined have been like the huge push for us, Um, especially on our Instagram page. Like we've tried to do virtual wine tasting during COVID to try to drive traffic. Um, We have delivery, which when people Mm. were stuck at home during COVID that kind of offered them the opportunity to still buy black owned and still buy from us, but Mm. they didn't have to, you know, risk going outside or, you know, coming in contact with anybody. And so that has been a definite help. And like I said, word of mouth through social media has truly been like, I would say the main driving force for us. We're very active on our Instagram. We're always posting people. We're always reposting. We're always, you know, interacting with our customers, which that is something that I think people like that happens in store and online. So they know that they feel very close to us. They feel very involved in what we're doing. People feel like they're learning from us and, I think that has been the main driving source. And like I said, back to the experience, like Mm. people like good service and, you know, Mm. somewhere where you feel comfortable and you feel like, you know, this is the place for you and you can shop and you can ask questions and not feel like someone's judging you or someone's looking at you weird because, you know, this is not really your speed, (laughs) your lane, you know what I mean? And so that's really what we try to do to bring the happy part. Everybody comes in, they're always like, I learned something. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Mm. And there's a story behind every bottle. And we really try to push that and the Mm. educational side. So someone, after they leave our store, they can go to their friends and tell them something new about a wine Mm. that they didn't know about. And, you know, further that knowledge so more people feel comfortable and our community feels comfortable about drinking wine. Mm. I, th- I like the fact that because I feel like most people today, they're going to say traditional brick and mortars, is, they're out, they're bad, blah, 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 blah. But I think that, that that's true if the store is only worried about a transaction. I, from even hearing what you're saying, it's more creating the overall value, creating like when you come, exactly. it's more than just you're buying wine. You're going to come, you're going to learn something, you're going to have a great interaction. Exactly. You're going to feel a part of a community, even with the fact that like the the social media aspect, the fact that you have an actual whole community outside of just the physical store. Like people could just be on the page. Like, Oh my gosh, I love what's going on here. So even if they're not from New York, like when I go to New York, I have to go to happy court. Cause it's like the community is so large. And I really like that. I think that that's amazing how you guys are able to cultivate it in that way. Exactly. And we really wanted to take down that stereotype of having that, like, you know, that glass and you can't really Mm. like interact with the bottles. You don't really know what's Mm. in the liquor store. You're just like, oh, that looks good. I'll grab that. But you can't really like read about it or ask questions. Mm. You really want to take that out. People can come in, they can touch the bottles, they can ask questions, they can learn about what they're drinking. They can feel comfortable about trying something new. And I think that aspect of it, like you said, is really, really what makes Happy Fork special. And behind all of that is like the value. We also wanted to make it so people can get these things at a value price and not feel like they have to break the bank where if you go into Manhattan, you're buying a bottle, it's like $20, $30 a bottle of wine. Like you can really find value prices, great Mm. quality. And we really try to push, you know, different brands. So things that people aren't used to drinking on the regular or something that might be, you know, refined or distilled seven times versus a regular Mm you know, well drink. So we really try to like focus on bringing quality 
add a value price to the community as well. So we're not just trying to like give them anything. We really want to bring value to them and feel like they're, you know, getting something good for their money. Our cheap, one of our cheapest bottles of wine is $9. And oh, yeah. it's a really awesome, like organic South African wine that I, I don't even think a lot of customers know that it's a really good quality wine, but mm. that's the thing. It's like, we really do the research and search. And that's why we're so boutique because we're really trying to bring a different image to the wine industry and the wine shopping and experience as a whole. I think that's one of the things that kind of stands us out and really separates us from the crowd and all the rest of the wine stores in general. Mm. I got you. I want to get into right now some of the like the logistics behind running a store because in terms of like what would you say are the main things that you would say this is, I'm trying to find a way to properly word this question. Yeah. Things that most people would not think are associated costs with running a store. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> that is tough. Um, so Sunshine really handles, like, most of the, like, the operational side, whether it comes to mm. buying um, mm. wines. I, I feel like a lot of people think it's on the surface level of just, like, you know, oh, we got to take some wines out and purchase them and put them on the shelf. Mm. But it really comes down to like curating a selection mm. and like really making sure that you have a good quality selection. So I think that that part of the logistics is important because it's mm. not just about getting any wine that you can get at any price to make some money. It's mm. really about curating a proper selection for your um, community and your, um, you know, shoppers. Um, the other thing I would say is like, so we do something called um, our loyalty program. So just like the down to like the bare necessities, like the little items, whether that be, you know, like being sure we have enough like cardboard to inserts for the um, bags or like shopping bags for people, um, making sure that we have enough like on the go items. That seems mm -hmm. to be really popular, especially in the summer. So like those items are like super important. The bag, the tote bags that we get, just like keeping inventory of everything mm. um is really important because we have delivery service we have people who come in and shop we have people who order online and pick up and we just launched shipping so mm. making sure that we have enough inventory to cover everybody everything. exactly is like really really important so down to like staying organized and on top of everything comes down to like the bare necessities. So that is one thing that I would say is <laughs> definitely really um, important and definitely on the high end of things. And pens, we run out of pens a lot. <laughs> pens, that is crazy. <laughs> I know you touched on like the delivery aspect. Is it like in terms of, do you have like in-house or just do you realize like third party delivery services? We do both. So oh, oh, okay. um, yeah, we have a a lot of our customer base orders for delivery, mm. especially during COVID, we saw a huge spike in our delivery mm. services, obviously. One, because we had limited hours. We also were only allowing one customer in the store at a time for a very limited time, you had to be in and out. And so it just, it was easier for people to order delivery. Mm. And so um, we use um, an app called Drizzly for mm. delivery. Um, which they usually send a Postmates or a DoorDash driver. And then we also use, um, through our website, you can order, um, and that is our personal driver that we also send around to. So we have two 
um, people one in house and then one if we're busy and we need somebody else to cover some deliveries and we'll call on um, the services, which we prefer to use our in house guy just (laughs) because, you know, when you have a different person coming to pick Mm -hmm. up stuff, you never know what you're going to get. You never know how they're going to be. So it's just easier to have somebody that you know that's comfortable doing it. But you know, it's hit or mess, whatever. <laughs> yeah, nah, I get you. I want to touch now in terms of like, I know you spoke about the virtual wine tasting. I want to tie this into like a newsletter as well. So one, yeah. on one aspect, I want to know how does the newsletter like help you in terms of like interacting with customers and like ultimately like keeping them in part of the community. And secondly, also I want to know about like the virtual wine tasting and how that, I'm kind of interested in how that works. Oh yeah. Um, so about the newsletter, we actually don't even have one yet. So pretty mm, okay. much our main push when we post anything is through our Instagram. Instagram, I got you. Okay. Um, yeah, but we are launching a newsletter soon. So that'll be gotcha. coming because we gotcha. do realize that it's a great way to like share information with our customers. Mm. Again, furthering that like knowledge aspect of wine and wine tasting in general and keeping track on what we have in the store. Um, mm. So that, and then um, we're also constantly like rotating product in the store. So it's a good way to help our customers stay informed about like what's going on, what new product we have in, a little bit of tasting notes about them. So if it's something they want to try, they have a little bit of um, information on it. Mm. Um, And then the virtual wine tastings have Mm. been awesome. So every Wednesday before COVID, Mm. um, we would host, um, we would do a wine tasting in the store Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesdays was wine. So we'd always choose like one or two wines off the shelf to try and have our customers as they come in, they can taste it, um, learn a little bit about the wine. And then on Fridays, we always did spirits. And so since COVID happened, we kind of had to shut that down because we always, like, Friday nights were kind of lit in there. Like, yeah, I can we imagine. <laughs> like, people were sipping. Our community members would come in, interact with each other. Sometimes if the winemaker or liquor maker was there, you know, they would educate people on the wine. So people mm. like that, you know, one-on-one experience, like, wow, this is the creator of this that I'm drinking and they're learning right yeah. from them versus me, which they like that too. But it's different when you learn it from the maker the themselves. Maker, yeah. yeah. And so they love that aspect and they can come in and talk with each other talk about what they liked, what they didn't like, wines that they were buying that week or what they got that day. And like, sometimes I'll be like working in the store and our, like my customers will tell each other what to buy and I won't even have to say anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. They told me to get that last time. This is good. And so like, that kind of rep is what they started with each other when we had our wine tastings um, for COVID. So we've kind of taken that model um, virtually. And so mm-hmm. on our Instagram live, usually on Wednesdays, we're going to kick it back up in a couple, probably next week actually, or the week after. Um, we've been partnering with different winemakers that we do carry in the store. So we've done one with um, Andre Mack, who is a mm-hmm. sommelier local to Brooklyn. He has a restaurant in Brooklyn as well. Um, it's called the Ham Bar. Um, the ham, wait, what is it? The Ham Bar? Yeah, it's gotcha. like charcuterie and his wines, a lot of different wines that he carries there. Um, we've done one with um, Co- um, Mr. Coviello, who is the mm. maker of the world's first naturally made blue wine, mm. all black owned as well. Um, we've done one with um, Lafette Rose as well. Um, so we've just kind of gone on Instagram live, had a conversation with them. People were able to purchase the bottle prior to the tasting. And then we kind of went through and had them do a wine tasting for our customers. We did one with McBride sisters. 
the mm-hmm. Esther Fair wines we carry. So some of the black owned brands we have. And that has been awesome because people have been able, we would post about it on like Sunday or Monday. And then people had the chance to buy the bottle that we were tasting that Wednesday for at a discounted rate. Mm. And then come the tasting on Wednesday, they would have the bottle and the winemaker would usually have a glass with us. And then we would go through a wine tasting. They would talk about their wine, you know, share their experiences. Yeah, we would interview them, ask some questions. Mm. Um, the people on live actually would ask questions and got to actually, you know, interact with the winemakers too. Mm. So that was really cool. I think... Um, the biggest one probably was the McBride one I think we did mm. and then Lafette. Those two have been awesome. But overall, like people have been super responsive to it because it's just like that, keeping that community engagement somehow mm. while being <laughs> secluded and mm. um, in quarantine. So it's been really cool to see the support. People are like, so, we're so excited about it. So we're excited to kind of relaunch that and get it started again. because. Like I said, the response yeah. virtual wine tastings, never thought, but people love it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I feel like that's where the world is going. And I like the fact that you guys are already are implementing it now. I feel like in the future, it makes sense to do exactly the same model. Like we're going to sell it to you at a discount. You get it in your house. We're going to have a, what platform do you use for the so lately we've been doing it on Instagram Live. Instagram Live, okay. Because it leaves it a little bit open for everybody. But I think mm. eventually we're going to take them to Zoom. Mm. and send out invitation links that way we can kind of keep track of our lives start a subscription there and then we can start emailing our newsletter to the people who tune into our one um tastings every week and stuff like that and kind of start building and keeping our community that way it's gonna turn probably into like an event like oh i can't go out i have to go home i have a wine right. tasting. I have to go to. exactly and that's what uh, we want like, yeah no. friends like you guys get the wine let's go through the wine tasting learn mm. something new you're getting wine at a discounted rate Mm. They're all really good. We try all the wines that we um, carry in the store prior to holding it in the store. So we can really like break it down for you and really give you like the background and the tasting notes on everything and really find something that you'll like. Mm. And people have been booking like um, private tasting parties. So they'll do a virtual tasting with a bunch of their friends. Um, When we're open, actually, we have like a tasting event space in Mm. the store. And so people are able to book that and they can have like a wine tasting party or they can have like a cocktail making birthday party and stuff like that. So just like kind of, again, furthering and opening our space to everybody and not just, you know, closing it off or making it feel like people can't come and enjoy wine and celebrate black winemakers. <laughs> I, gotcha. I, got, I got one more question for you today. Of course. The question is, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who wants to open a store, just be an entrepreneur in general, what would that advice be? So we deliberated about this question <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we came up with do your research. Mm. You got to do your research, start something, but start wisely. Like don't just jump into it because you had that hatch idea really do your research, take the time to really gather information, talk to people in the industry, talk to people who are doing exactly what you want to do, make those connections, really form those relationships because they are going to be the people that help you when you're really ready to build whatever you're ready to create. And so the research aspect is so, so, so important. I agree. Do your research. Exactly. And everybody's got to start. So you got to start somewhere. So it's good to take note from people and, you know, read up, talk to people and that's a good place. So that's our biggest piece of advice Mm. because we realized that there wasn't anything like happy pork in the area or in new york in general like there wasn't 
a wine and spirit store that really owned in on black owned wine and spirits, quality wines, organic, natural wines. And so we wanted to bring something like that, mm-hmm. something new and different that the community can connect to. Mm-hmm. And through talking to other people who've done it other places, we were able to form our place. And that's why we're such now becoming a staple in the community. So the research aspect is so important. The connections, the networking is so important. <laughs> I got you. All right, guys, you got it. That's Happy Court Brooklyn. They're looking for a Black-owned tequila. If you know anybody, tap in, let them know. If you want to create it, go ahead, do your research and create it. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Can you let the audience know where they can find you, find the company? Oh, my gosh, yes. So um, you can find us on Instagram or at Happy Court Brooklyn. At Happy Um, Court Brooklyn? Yes, my name is Jamila. I'm our wine specialist. So you can find me on Instagram at Jamila Janetta. Also, I'm on the page too so you can find me from a happy courts page um if you have any wine suggestions or questions or want to do any events you can also this up on our instagram um send us an email to info at happy-cork.com as well i got you thank you so much for coming on the podcast i appreciate it thank you